Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. I'm going to bring out my guest today and uh, somebody I've known just virtually through the internet, through a couple groups that we're a part of, and I've been watching him from the sidelines, as it were, and uh, really digging what he's doing and uh, just want to see what he is planning and how he's gotten to where he is. It's uh, Trent Babb. Trent. Hey. Trent, thanks. Scott, Thanks for doing the show. It's a pleasure. I'm a huge fan. I listen to your podcast all the time. I have like my top five favorite podcasts I listen to, uh-huh. and you're one of them. And when you reached out, I was like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's... you want to do it next month? I was like, no, we're doing it like in a few days. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny because I've got a lot of friends who. I guess they expect to be on the podcast and and they probably will at some point, but I, I do it by what I want to cover because if I've talked to five people about how they write or five people, how they book shows, then I don't need to talk to that type of person. I don't need to get that information again. So it's going to, it's going to have to come around at a different time. So, and it doesn't mean I don't want to talk to, I have had a few that are very green open micers that have been doing it for three months that think they should be Mm -hmm. on the show and have a lot to offer. And that's just not true. So I stayed away from them, but yeah, it's, I, there's a, there's a place, there's a place for everything. I actually have a method to the people I bring on unless like Letterman calls and says, Hey, I want to do the podcast and I'll make room for it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I totally get you. You got to mix it up. Your last guest, Johnny beaner you said he was on the late show yeah. dry bar and now you got me which end of the spectrum am i you are i call an up-and-comer how about that <laughs> thank you yes thank you so much but yeah <laughs> i've been we were part of the, the we're still part of the the hot breath group i think but we both did our own thing after a little bit because during COVID we were getting together and doing the right 10 and stuff like that. And I think you and I are a little bit similar in the, we, it's hard to be a part of a big group. And, and we, I, I don't know about you. I like to do my own thing and then pop in the group and say hi, and then just go back to doing my own thing because big groups of people just, I guess it stifles me more than it makes me creative, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Do you feel the same way a little bit? No, comedians are lone wolves and you know what? We were so involved with hot breath and Joel Byers and hats off to those guys. They are so positive and so encouraging. And I needed that during uh, the quarantine. Mm -hmm. I really did. And it really helped me get through it and keep writing but once things started 
uh, opening back up, doing shows again. It's just like, all right, back to work. I got to focus on me. So yeah, I, I, I am so grateful for Hot Breath and Joel Byers and all that group. And check it out if you're, especially if you're a beginning comic, they really drive home the point of talk about yourself because mm-hmm. that's what really the audience wants. They right. they, they don't want to hear your your Nestle Quick joke. They want to hear how you mm-hmm. almost peed your pants getting out of bed this morning. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Not that I have a bit like that or anything, but yeah. maybe I should write that down. Yeah, that's, write that that's down. a good setup. There you go. Now, I, I've watched like every clip that you've done. And the one thing is, the thing I wanted to ask is, you started comedy about eight years ago, which was before children. Was it before you were married? Yeah, but it's actually right when my wife and I started dating. I was 27 years old, and uh, we went to a little local. I heard about it, and, and I got the bug right then and there. And I'm still at that little venue. I actually just took over hosting, so it's just like full circle. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I don't know how that makes my wife feel. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have this I didn't have this need to get in front of strangers and make them laugh until I met this one woman. Yeah. <laughs> So your material is super solid and super, it's about your family. You talk about your wife a lot. You talk about the kids a lot. So what was your material before all that? Oh man, it it, it was, it it was just topical, kind of observational, but you know what it was really bad. I I cringe listening to the old stuff because it was really punny. Yeah. So many (laughs) puns if you're a comedian and you got more than two puns in a set you might want to knock it back a bit i i I seriously ended every joke with a pun and it it was just a lot of wordplay and it came across as i was overthinking like the crowd could tell that oh he memorized this Uh and that's not what they want these days they want honest authentic personality i'm really happy with where i'm going at in comedy they say 10 years you find your voice it feels about right. I'm eight and I'm like, yeah, I'm getting it. I'm mm-hmm. getting it. I'm talking about me and I'm getting my own patterns and I'm not saying puns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the things that surprised me about you is we, there was some like online mics that we could do together. I think there was a, a couple feed feedback mics and things like that, that we did together. And you were, you're kind of like, I guess I am. You're serious. You weren't super animated or anything like that. And then I watch your clips and you're like all over the stage. Have you always been like owning the whole stage and doing really good act outs? Or did you have to grow into that too? Scott, I have a lot of built up aggression inside me. And uh, when I get on stage, it all comes out in just fun vibes. I love it. It's honestly therapy yeah. for me. You know, I I really get those aggressions out of my system, mm-hmm. and it just happens that I come across really animated. I make a, big faces. That that's the big thing. A lot of people come up to me after the shows are like, "You're really animated. You remind me of a young, you know, Jim Carrey." I'm like, "Oh, thank you. Uh-huh. That's too bad because there's already a Jim Carrey." But I appreciate <laughs> it. But I I just love act outs. I love doing them. It's a show. And I love giving people a show. And granted, sometimes it's overacting. Totally. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel it from the crowd. Like, you got to, I have to really 
tune in with the audience and get on their wavelength because I have a joke up top where I do an act out. And if they laugh during that act out, I'm like, okay, I'll keep the rest. Mm -hmm. If they don't laugh during that act out, I'm like, okay, we're just going to keep it. Tone it down a little. Yeah. (laughs) Tone it down a little bit, (laughs) but yeah, all the clips are, are some of the best parts of my show. And that's where I'm just being nutty. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And like I said, it was a surprise because you're, when we were doing these mics and stuff, you, you were serious about it, just like I am. You just, you really wanted to get feedback and give feedback. And it, the, the writing process is definitely different than the performing process. And you seem to be getting into that sweet spot where the writing and the performing just come together and you've got an act. It's, it's not just you doing a set. It's actually more of an act than a set. And I really enjoy that. Thank you so much. The trick is not being married to the words. What I do is I write out all my jokes. I, I really meticulous about it but then i let a couple days slide and then i record me saying the joke without reading it Mm -hmm. and then i compare how i did i'm like oh this is different oh okay and i really hone in on how my natural speech patterns and it's made a world of a difference yeah but yeah but yeah zoom comedy sucks is that Uh, what you're saying is that what you're saying yeah Yeah, i picked i picked back up smoking again after doing zoom comedy yeah (laughs) I swear, I, I, I quit recently. That's a horrible habit. But yeah, the, the Zoom comedy, Woo, that yeah. was rough. I, I describe Zoom comedy to somebody as when you're done, it feels like you got dumped by a blind date that you didn't want to go on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see their name on Craigslist. I'll take anybody. Yeah. Like, what? They want to take me, but they'll take anybody. <laughs> Yeah, I did a few. You did a few. It was, it just wasn't fun. It, it made you feel bad about yourself. And there's, and I'm not saying that it's bad. Some people love it, and some people lean into it, and it's good for them. And have fun. You don't have to worry about any competition from Scott or oh, Trent. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, you do you. Like yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's a place for every type of performer. Now, Scott, I haven't seen any clips of you. Do, do you post? Not very often. I And really in the last year, in 2021, was when we moved and just a lot of stuff going on. So I performed once in 2021. And well, I, you're, you're such a great podcaster, man. These are your clips, the episodes. Man. Yeah. I, and I really had to lean into that because I the age I'm at, I was scared of COVID and all that kind of stuff. So even if protocols were being followed, there was that still raised my chance of getting it and getting on a ventilator and all that crap. So I just decided to really just put it away because it's more of a hobby for me than something that I'm really pursuing as a, I don't think I'm going to get a Netflix special or anything out of this, but I really enjoy doing it. And being in a new area, I get to start over and all my old jokes are funny again. So that's cool. (laughs) You say it's a hobby, but man, you take it serious. You you interview all these guys and you take their advice and you apply it to your own. And so it's like people ask me if I'm a professional comedian. I'm like, no, I don't get paid much. It's a serious hobby. I'm just waiting for that big break. Now, you've got some really good bits, the, the ones that I've seen you post, 
When do you decide a joke is good enough to take into a set? When you, you, I, I, I know there's the writing process and the working it out, the open mic and thing like that, things like that. When do you decide it's a good joke? It's an A joke. I appreciate you saying you have some good clips. I have 20. So yeah. um, <laughs> I watched all you have of some. Them. Uh, yeah. No, I'm joking. <laughs> How do I know a bit's ready for the stage? Is yeah. that what you're saying? It almost works full circle in a way where it's got to have that personal touch at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's me. And then the joke has to a broad stroke on, on a big topic that everyone can relate to. Mm-hmm. And then there's the act out. <laughs> and then it closes with uh, on me again uh, and that's when i feel like a bit is good i'm not so good with the one-liners or the two-liners it is feeling complete i bring audiences into this world that is a joke and if just to cut it off after one or two lines i'm like ah I, I still want to stay in that place. Let's have more fun there. Yeah. And w- when the bit is well-rounded where it addresses me, a big topic, an act out, and then comes back around to me again, mm-hmm. th- that's when I'm like, okay, l- let's try it out on stage. Yeah. Now it's ready. I get jealous of those uh, comedians that post the reels that are like 10 seconds long and it's a one-liner and it's just hilarious. Because I can't do that to save. Where, the, where do they post these? Is that like a TikTok thing? Or uh, I mostly watch reels. I've got a TikTok account, but I, I, I can't remember the last time I logged in. But most of the reels are TikToks they've shared. So it's, it's, I just look for them. And, the, yeah. and Instagram knows your algorithm. They know what you like. So they put those up. Don't you think it's weird how these days it feels like the one-liner comic isn't really that relevant? Because people just want personal so bad yeah like they they just want to know who you are and just that one-liner isn't enough i I feel like do you feel that too yeah and i think folks like and i talk about this a lot i think folks like gaffigan and nate bargetzi and folks like that have done a couple things they've they've changed comedy so that you don't have to be like super filthy and you don't have to be super controversial. You don't have to pick a side on anything. You can just be who you are and be goofy about it and be clean. And the funny thing is I've been to multiple shows by both of those guys and the crowd that they bring in is the most diverse crowd that you could imagine. You got young people, you got old people, you got white, you got black, you got Asian, you got bikers. You just, everybody likes that type of comedy. So it's almost like clean comedy is having a renaissance. And, and, and when I say clean comedy, I mean like PG 13 or just, just not saying yeah. fuck every single word. And so, yeah, I, I think that has come around. I think there's a place for any comedy as long as somebody will come see it. And I love yeah. one-liner comedy and, but I haven't, like you say, you don't see too many of them anymore because it's, I, I wouldn't say it's a dying art because the storytelling stuff has come back around after being gone for a while too. So Everything comes back around, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, just like bell-bottom jeans. Yeah, which I was going to offer to you. I have some, and I, I just want to sponsor you. Yeah. After what you said at the very beginning. <laughs> you Please sponsor me. Just send me clothes. <laughs> I, what? I, got uh, a, I got a thong I haven't worn in years. Here, I'll give it to you. Yeah. I'm going to sponsor. 
I'm going to make that happen, by the way, one way or the other. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you have... you do something that a lot of comics don't do. You're part of that Facebook group. The the is it comedy writing Facebook comedy writing group? Yes, the the FB comedy writing group. Yeah, and, <laughs> I like you're, how you're like you do something not a lot of people do. Yeah, you're well, on a writing group. <laughs> yeah, but you're uh you're a moderator there, and you crowdsource a little bit tags and stuff and look for feedback before stuff goes out. How has that worked for you? It works great. Actually, most of the stuff I post up there is has a theme. Hey, I got this type of show coming up. I got a Thanksgiving show. How, How about this joke here? Good tags. There's some great people out there. And yeah, you run the risk of someone maybe wanting to steal your bit. When I post something and someone replies a really good idea, I take it and then I delete the post because I'm like, that (laughs) is amazing. I didn't think of that. And what else it is, I categorize my jokes, what what steps they are in. I have group A, which are A material, there's Uh B, and then there's C. The only stuff I post on that Facebook page is C stuff, like stuff I've been stuck on. It's so easy to get stuck on a bit. You think of everything, you do all the association lists, you answer who, what, when, where, and why, and how, and then you're just like, it, it just all jams up in your head. You don't know what to do. And mm-hmm. so I'm thankful there's that Facebook page. And, and, and But it takes a while to get used to uh, the criticism that you don't want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, this is the worst thing I've ever yeah. read. You're a comedian. You want me to post my A material? You want to hear the good stuff? Yeah. Like, come on, man. <laughs> and Facebook is just so toxic. But there's always like a little glimmer of hope when somebody gives you something good and there's those little nuggets and it's funny because i used to where i came from there was the comedy scene there i just i i just loved everybody in it we all got along really good however there was only a couple of them that i ever asked for tags from because they because they got me it's one thing to see you and laugh at your jokes and stuff like that, but they got where I was coming from and they, and it wasn't necessarily an age thing because one of them was a lot younger, like less than half my age, but the, and the other one was a little bit older, but you get those folks that get you. And when you put it on a Facebook group with 7,000 members, then the chances of you find somebody who gets what you're writing is a lot higher anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's so great that you had that uh, community where you're from. And it's all about throwing shit at a fan and seeing what sticks. That's what it's all about. But that's so great that you, you had the, the, those buddies. And if there's any aspiring comedians out there, find a buddy or two that you can really workshop with. Ask for honest feedback mm-hmm. or give give ideas to. And I totally get comedians that don't want any input because, like we were talking about earlier, we're lone wolves. We want to do our own thing. Yeah. But when it comes to jokes, whoever has the best idea, let me hear it. Dang, that is good. Yeah. Can I have it? Yeah. Great. <laughs> you know <laughs> And a lot of the old timers that I've interviewed on here, they did that. And if they weren't writing for another comedian, they did work together. They workshopped their stuff back before workshopping stuff was a thing. And Bob Zane is one of my favorites, and he's punched yeah. up a lot of people's acts. And he won't say who, but they're 
I think that's part of the deal, though. You get paid, yeah. and then it's like, okay. Yeah, but some of them are dead now, so you'd think. On the other end of that spectrum, there's this really good interview with Brian Regan. He's at Apple headquarters. You can easily find it on YouTube. And uh-huh. he talks about how one time he tried to go to a group writing session and how it was not for him. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, some guy just stood there and was like, so, uh, cars. <laughs> Wait, what? You want us to write a joke for you about cars? <laughs> yeah. Like, this is not for me. And Brian Regan's top three in the country, I right. think. And so the, the, it, it, to each their own, whatever right. works best for you. And and I need all the help I can get. Yeah. So. <laughs> and he's got a really specific sense of humor and his stuff comes so personal. I don't think anybody could ever help him punch that up. No. It, he is so good, and he, he's he has his audience now. He can get away with a little bit more than he used to, but man, he's, he's amazing. And, and through hot breath, Joel Byers, we were able to meet Brian Regan's opener on the East Coast, Stephen Rogers, mm-hmm. and I worked with him a few times in workshops, and and you could easily tell he he has it. Yeah, he, he is funny, and, and he's not. Mr. Act Out like I am. It's inspirational. I'm like, wow, you're funny and you didn't have to wave your arms up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> it's inspirational. Yeah. I'm like, that's what I'm striving towards. I want to tone back a little bit. I, I don't know. I like what you do. So I guess oh, either thanks, way, man. either e- either way is good. Now, you talked a little bit about A, B, and C jokes, and you seem like a pretty organized guy about your comedy. So can you take me through how you keep jokes organized and how you put a set together and just the the whole shebang of it. How much time do we have? It's funny, man. I'm not organized in life at all, but with comedy, I am OCD. Uh I am crazy. Uh, So how it starts, I do uh, Google Docs. For the most part, I'm Google Docs. I, Mm -hmm. I like the organization of it, but I have a file that says jokes 2022. Mm-hmm. And I'll write out my ideas, my jokes, and they're all organized. It's just listed down. And then I go back. I'm like, ooh, I like that one. And then I copy it and I paste it onto another doc that says set. Mm-hmm. Then I work on that set. And then I have a, a printout. Yeah. <laughs> Move it to that. Uh-huh out and I have a physical copy it's so important to have a physical copy of your jokes and I take that to an open mic and I I'm like okay I'm reviewing right before I go on I'm like okay, okay all right all right boom put it away get on stage I record all my sets mm-hmm. audio number one audio big shows I, d- I do video too but audio always big inspiration mm-hmm. and anyways get off the set the stage i make my little notes that i had but then i go back later and i got this method from adam mueller he's an east coast comic who i met through hot breath i go through my i take that printout, copy it put it in graded sets and then i highlight everything that got laughs i highlight and then i highlight it and bold it if it got a really big laugh mm-hmm. and everything else i go back into the original doc and I cut everything that that there's too much white you know uh-huh. there's no highlighted part and then so the joke starts big and then it just uh-huh. sandwiches down and that's the process yeah I like that it's now a- the other side of that process the 
and you've been doing it long enough and I've been doing it just long enough that those jokes that you take out or you are you bring down you press them down to almost nothing at some point that becomes a launching pad for a bigger better joke and parts of that joke come along with it have you had that happen I haven't but I, I, a buddy of mine told me Louis CK does that kind uh-huh. of uh, approach so what you're saying is then see I, I, I'm such a student of comedy I'm like wait let me write down that that, yeah. that technique what what <laughs> hold on okay step two was what so like I said the sandwich method and then you're saying from that condensed joke you're like that spawns more ideas yeah there's two parts to it it's uh, a, a joke that was too long that I condensed and then there is a joke that I just completely took out of my act because it wasn't funny and both of those have come back around to the point where I put them back in my act and I've made like my my new closer is this town needs more vape shops and that is <laughs> That's universal. Any town you're in, it'll work because there's 100,000 vape shops in every town and they all sell CBD and it's it's funny. But I, that was... They have posters for sale. That used to be a two-line <laughs> joke. This town needs more vape shops. You vapers need uh, to not walk more than 20 feet to get your tutti-frutti vape juice. And then it was done. And that was in the middle of my set. And that got the biggest laugh of anything <laughs> I did. So I turned it into this whole thing where we're chanting, I said say vape, you say juice, and I say I'm going to run for city council on the vape juice platform. And it just, so it, I, I could make that a five minute joke. And yeah. right now I've got it about two minutes and it's a really good closer, but I had done it for a while. And then I just stopped doing it because it didn't really fit in with my talking about my kids and talking about my wife and grandkids and stuff like that. It didn't really fit, but it's such a strong closer that I find a way to put it in as my closer now. And I've made it probably 10 times as long as it used to be. Yeah. Well, you brought up something interesting. You want the, the crowd wants to know who you are and putting that up front is always like yeah. one for me as an unknown, but you closing out with that, that is totally fine. It's now we know you, we know your sensibilities. Now mm-hmm. make us, let's go to goofy town. And, and that's totally it, man. It, you said run for governor or mayor. You'll smoke the competition. Uh, that, that's what I came to my mind. And who, who's your running mate? Joe Camel or, you know, yeah. or, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I really have fun with it. Now thinking about the, uh, I, I want to go back to you recently posted a clip of the Raiders fan that got pissed off at you about the tattoo thing. And I, I, I want to say I've watched that few a through time. I've watched that a few times. And the reason why is because I saw somebody up there that wanted to fight. And I think that was you. I think because you didn't back away, you, when he came up to you and he took the mic out of your hand and all that, you stood right there, and, but you didn't lean forward. You didn't go at him, but you were ready if something came at you. And I thought the restraint was really cool. And the fact that you didn't just fold under pressure, I thought that was great. I could tell you really wanted to get to this topic. Yeah, so, I want to know. Make it quick because I got something to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> so what was going through your head and... 
how did that all turn out for you? Because I just thought it was, if it would have happened to me, I would have hated it, but it was a really good clip to put up there. But the other thing is the way you reacted. I just want to know how you felt during that. Scared. And, and the name of the show, the name of the show, was it Blunson Brunch or something like that? Yeah, I was, I was a little out of my element. Um <laughs> A show's a show, and they're gonna pay me a uh, hundred bucks for twenty minutes. Yeah. in my hometown, I'm like, uh-huh. I don't have to travel three hours for this. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> I don't care if the room's smoky. Yeah, it was an interesting show. Kind of my mantra I've been going through in my mind as a comic for the last year because we've only been able to have a year so far with the pandemic sort of over. Mm-hmm. Is our job as comics is to have fun and project that fun to the crowd to make them forget their worries and mm. be in the moment and make them feel like you know, everything's okay. So when that guy approached me on stage and yanked the mic out of my hand, and you guys couldn't hear it, but I, I tried boosting the audio in editing, but he's just, you want to hear something funny? You want to see something funny? You want to see something funny? Oh. I'm like, huh? Huh? <laughs> I, I just kept my eyebrows up and <laughs> smiled. Yeah. Just to tell the crowd everything's okay. But I, I, in my mind, I'm going, please, someone come up here and get this guy. Please, someone come up here yeah. and get this guy. Please. <laughs> Finally, the uh, the promoter guy gets up there, gets him off. And what, what even brought it home was as the guy was getting off stage, he trips. Oh. You know? <laughs> Yeah, he, 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 he falls. You don't mm. see it on the tape, but you see me just crack up. Yeah. People think I'm laughing at him. I am, but because <laughs> he fell. A Mr. Tough Guy coming up on stage to Mr. Funny Guy and, and trying to start a fight falls. Anyways, so, and you know, I, I was filming. So uh-huh. I'm like, if I get punched, I'm going to go viral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you were you weren't hoping for the punch, but you're hoping for the punch. <laughs> yeah, it when when Michael J. Fox was filming Back to the Future, there's that scene where he gets hit by the car and it hits his head on the pavement. Yeah, the, he really does that. And they asked him why he did it so hard. He's like, pain is temporary, film is forever. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's my favorite movie. So thanks, Marty. Yeah. <laughs> I almost got killed all for a couple followers on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so but I'm so glad you like that clip. That's why I put it up. It's so honest and it starts off with a joke and it gets the laugh and then it jumps to a few moments later and that guy comes up on stage. So I'm glad you watched it multiple times. So do you think he was pissed off because he was a Raiders fan or because he had a tattoo? I, I don't know what set him off. So I live in central California in the San Joaquin Valley, all farmers, mm-hmm. it's low-income living, and there are a lot of Raider fans. And, and it's even great. I, I love how Raiders moved to Vegas. I, just, I Oh, it makes me feel so good. I'm like, oh, your California team's now in Vegas. How do you feel now? I love it because I'm a waiter, and you, you see these Raider fans come in, and they never tip. They never uh. tip. So it, it, it – you do comedy so you can get back at the people that have done you wrong yeah. a little bit. And, and, and So that's what I was going for. But 
yeah, that guy, he got off stage, and afterwards the booker came up to me. I'm so sorry, dude. That guy's been on a bender for two days. I'm like, wow. thanks for letting him into the show. Yeah. Tickets were 50, 60 bucks for all these people, and you let that drunkard in and try to ruin the show. But um, not to toot my own horn, but I, I am proud of how I try to keep it fun uh-huh. and not not lose control because I've had shows where someone stormed on stage and I'll just hand off the mic and I'll run off uh-huh. and other comics get on my case about it. So I think y- you learn from experience like, okay, do not be scared right now. Mm-hmm. Stand strong, be fun, and hope to God it works out. Yeah, you <laughs> – like I said, you handle it very well. Now, I wanted to ask what part of your set was that beginning, middle, or end? Oh, that was towards the end. Okay. Uh, like I told you, it, it was a room full of Raider fans. I'm going to save the Raider joke till the end. It, it, it comes back to what we were talking about with your set. You got to let people learn who you are, and you laugh at yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't take yourself so seriously. You're not above the audience. And then you can challenge them towards the end. Yeah. The, the audience, you can challenge them in some way. And that was my challenge. Yeah. And it, it, it was a big challenge for that one guy. You started comedy pretty as an adult at, at 27 years old. You're, uh, according to scientists, your brain is fully formed. So you, mm-hmm. you, you were not the typical 19 year old or 18 year old that starts out. What comedians did you really dig before you started doing comedy that you feel like maybe some of that came with you in your comedy? I've always been a huge fan of comedy since I was a kid. And I have my particular specials that I always go back to and I can't get enough of them because it kind of takes me back to childhood, but also they're just incredible specials. First one that comes to mind is Robin Williams live at the Met. Mm -hmm. Yeah amazing what's weird is the filmed version is a different night than what's the on the audio version and i prefer the audio oh (laughs) i didn't know that yeah if you listen to it the jokes are a little different he delivers them a little different and i'm just accustomed to it but another special eddie izzard dressed to kill Mm, that's a good one yeah and it made you think, and he was goofy, and I watched it so much. My stepdad, Trent, I'm a little worried you're watching this transvestite so much. Yeah. I'm like, but he's funny. <laughs> and the funny um, thing, the good thing about Eddie is he comes from a, the Britain's more of a storytelling type comedy style, and he still does his stories, but he's got so many tags in there that keep you laughing throughout. He's, he's so good at that. It's absurdist or something. I forget what the word is, but he's just out there. He, yeah. His imagination rolls with it. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And then another special is uh, John Leguizamo, his uh, freak, I believe that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And he won a Tony Award for that one-man show, but it, it was a comedy. And then Pablo Francisco, that the Comedy Central half hour mm-hmm. way back when. Oh, for a 13-year-old kid, that was gold. Yeah. That was gold. Me and my buddies quote that thing so much. And and I look at those specials. I'm like, yeah, all those wrapped in the one. It's really weird how it, it came back around where that influence has really been part of my personality on stage. Mm-hmm. Who have you worked with really impressed you not only as a comic, but as a human being? Who have I worked with? I haven't worked with much. The two people come to mind. There's an L.A. comic named Joe Dungan. 
He's a clean comic, and he works with uh, Jerry Corley, who's my favorite okay. comedy instructor. Mm-hmm. But Joe Dungan, uh, he's a clean comic, just straight-laced guy, cool. He's older, looks like my dad. Maybe that has something to do with it. Uh-huh. But after his shows, he does a great show, and then he sits where the crowd was with all his merchandise, with, with his books, and, and he sits there, and he, he talks to everyone and signs it. I, and I just really liked his aura. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I try to copy that a lot. And then there's, I worked with Kabir Singh, who was a semifinalist on America's Got Talent this year. And he wins, he's just the California comic. He's won all the competitions. America's Got Talent, he's doing TV shows, Family Guy. And he's just a hard worker. And I've worked with him a few times and, and he's just always happy. He, mm-hmm. You keep hearing about these headliners that are bitter and like, all right, what time you want me there? Is there food? Yeah. You know? <laughs> he's just nice. And then after my sets, he's like, hey, I, I, I got this room up here. You want to come up and do that room, And which I he doesn't have to do that. And so I try to I, – I really want to be that headliner in the future that helps out other aspiring comedians that are really passionate because it goes a long way. That show I did with him happened two, three months ago. And it, it just, it's still with me. Mm. It pushes me to try harder. Mm. So yeah, Kabir Singh and Joe Dungan, those two. I've heard of Kabir, but I have not heard of Joe. So I'm going to have to look him up. Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah. And, and, and he, he, he's quick too. He gets right to the punch. So you'll like that mm-hmm. one-liner. Yeah. <laughs> so as far as balance is concerned, when you started out, you were single and then just getting married and no kids. Now you've got a couple kids and mm-hmm. you still want to do, you still want to do your thing. You got a dream. How are you keeping the balance together so that uh, family is okay and comedy is okay too? First thing I married an incredible woman. That's very supportive. I hope she's listening, but she, <laughs> She is the best, and I tell any comic that's about to get married or be in a serious relationship, tell your partner your dreams. Mm -hmm. And I aimed high. I told her, I'm like, honey, I want to be a touring comic. I want to be the next Conan O'Brien. I was reaching for the stars. Mm -hmm. She's like, okay. I'm like, you sure? Because that means I'm going to be gone summers. And when we have kids, maybe, I'm going to be gone for a month. Or something like that. And she's like, so that's number one. Find that special someone that that really encourages you to follow your dreams. And secondly, I am a very moody person. If I don't get out of the house at least once a day, my wife's like, you're going nuts, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I have cabin fever. I have to go. I have to observe people and write down what I see uh-huh. and make jokes about them. I'm sick. Yeah. I'm sick, Scott. I don't know what's wrong with me. But and um, I, I really think that's it. That's how I'm able to do it. If I didn't have a supportive wife, I'd be screwed. Either unhappy living at home all the time or screwed as in divorced and very unhappy. Don't settle for anyone that, that doesn't uh, support your dream because in the long run, that's what you need. You need that support to to feel confident in what you're doing is mm-hmm. right. Because comedy, Scott, this is hard. Yeah. Financially and emotionally. Yeah. 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 It's, <laughs> it's the hardest. Do you run jokes past your wife? <laughs> no, no. Okay. <laughs> actually, no, actually, no, actually I do. 
I do because my wife is, is super smart. She's got a master's degree, everything. But with jokes, they go over her head a little bit. And uh -huh. so I will run a joke by her just to make sure I'm being clear. They say with jokes, you got to almost tell them as if you're speaking to a fourth grader. Mm -hmm. You ever heard that? And m my wife has a master's degree, but she has a fourth grader's. I don't know what, uh, I'm a third grader. I don't even know the word. But yeah, so I do run jokes by her. And I also tell her what I say for the most part. I'm like, hey, are you okay with me talking about this? Yeah, yeah. She's like, <laughs> she's like, yeah, you can talk about it. I won't go to your show, but yeah. My wife's exactly the same. She, I, I think she's only had one that she didn't care for. And she said, I don't care if you do it. Just don't do it while I'm there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Isn't that great? Sounds yeah. like you have a great woman too, Scott. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Th <laughs> 38, 38 years now. So, yeah, it's it's been a little while. Wow. Yeah. Incredible, man. Congratulations. You know, I Go ahead. My wife and I have been married five years, and, and we're so excited because you know, we're more than halfway done. Yeah, that's, great. <laughs> that's according to statistics. You don't have to go with the flow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We believe in numbers here. Yeah, I liked what you said about the joke actually making sense to a fourth grader or making sense to somebody who doesn't know you. It's I'm taking mm -hmm. a comedy class right now. I'm just finishing it up. And one of the jokes I wrote, I thought was very plain. It was very easy to understand. And everybody, the feedback I got, it was funny up until here. And then you lost me. And I, I kept looking at it. How could I lose you? How could I? And it, it's actually pretty obvious how I lost them. It, they just didn't understand the context. They didn't. I was jumping from just like one half of a context to another half and that I didn't make the jump and I got it, but they didn't get it. And I was really happy that I told it to them first before I did it on stage because all the good laughs I got at the beginning of it would have been canceled out by the complete silence <laughs> during the second half of the joke. Yeah. We as comics, we assume people know what we're talking about. Like yeah. they, they know where we're coming from. Mitch Hedberg off his Do You Believe in Gosh album. That's his last album they came out with. And uh -huh. he, he has a part in there where he tells a joke, doesn't get a laugh. He's, you jump in my head, come back out, tell me that joke's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's something we struggle with. And th that's why you go crazy if you just write all day and don't, say the joke out loud and that that's why zoom comedy was pretty important during the pandemic i, I got the at least i got to say it yeah. and people go huh I, I don't understand what you're saying here it's, oh okay back to the drawing board right and, and I, you use the term bridge oh yeah i forgot to build that bridge the yeah. context mm -hmm. you know yeah so yeah. important fourth graders yeah <laughs> <laughs> so at the stage you're at and knowing what you know now, what do you wish you would have known when you were starting out that you know now? It's funny. I, I, I told you, Scott, I'm such a huge fan of your um, podcast. Mm. And, and uh, so, you know, I, I actually, asked this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but we've already sort of about him. So number one, no puns. Yeah. Earlier I said, if you have more than two in your entire set, you need to drop them. And two is pushing it. I told you I've been doing it 
eight years. Honestly, if I'm completely honest myself, the first five, some would argue six, I was horrible Mm -hmm. with puns and wordplay and just not living in the moment. It's all about being in the moment or at least making it seem you're in the moment. Mm. And when, as soon as that pun comes out, people go, Oh, he, he thought of that before he got here. Yeah. Ah, screw that. So I would, I really wish someone would have sat me down and said, Hey man, th- this whole fun gun pun thing get rid of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> get rid of it, man. Yeah. Talk about your life. Yeah. Talk about your life. Okay. Everybody's life That's is what funny. I wish. I wish I would have known. Oh, and and one more thing. This is just a new topic. I wish someone would have told me if I had an idea for another comic, how to make their stuff better, ask them if they want to hear it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't give unsolicited advice. I've gotten in trouble a few times of telling people like, hey, you should try this. Hey, you should try that. And they're like, okay. Next day on on online there's this whole rant about it and they, they tag me in it and then it goes on and on and one time do not do this guys uh, this is horrible i feel so bad about this one time a, a girl performed with shorts on they were really short shorts and she was the host she kept uh-huh. going up and up i told him like hey you should really not perform in shorts because i'm not paying attention to your words i'm looking at your legs you should uh-huh. i want to pay and, and oh boy no. world war three <laughs> And, and, and everyone was rallying against me online. I was like, I really just took a hit in yeah. my career. <laughs> so learn from my mistakes, people. If you have an idea for someone, ask them if they want to hear it. I wish someone would have told me that. Yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, I don't think I've ever been caught in that, but I can see how that would be very uncomfortable. Scott, you're a smart man. I am a dumb boy. Yeah, I've been around the block a few times. Now... <laughs> at the beginning, at when we first started talking, you talked about that you've got a a pretty strict written out joke, but you're not married to the words, and the whatever happens on stage can dictate maybe you changing things up a little bit. Have you ever had a joke that you thought was just so perfect, and you started doing it? And it wasn't going the way you wanted and you changed it up a little bit and it made the joke even better. Wow. Okay. Yeah. One of my earlier bits, I told you I did a bunch of wordplay at the very beginning. And I think this is the one joke that stayed in the act a little bit. But uh, I talk about the differences of being at a place or in a place. How do you know if you're at or in a place? And it did okay. But as soon as I approached why I'm talking about this, and then I mentioned, oh, I have a fascination with language. I went to college and got an English degree. I'm like, wait a minute. I need to put that in there. Mm-hmm. So I start off the, that whole joke with saying I uh, graduated college with an English degree, and it's great. It guarantees me a job at Olive Garden. It's wonderful. Uh-huh. It's so good. And I go off about Olive Garden, and then I go, actually – I got an English degree because I'm fascinated with language. You guys ever notice how you can be at a place or in a place? It gave me my in. It's always good to have – I think that's why a lot of jokes should start from the personal because it's your in mm-hmm. into the topic that you want to really talk about. Yeah. So I, I, I recommend that to any comic. If you're having a hard time with a joke, it's just put yourself in it and start off with that uh-huh. and, and see how it happens. Yeah, that joke is completely turned around and – 
and yeah, it's in the set. Yeah. Yeah. Done. I've heard, I've heard that one. I don't think it's posted in your current YouTube thing, but I think you posted it on Facebook at one point. I don't think so because that is one of those jokes we, we were talking about sounding too scripted. Mm. That joke definitely sounds scripted because like you're either at this is an option in is against your will. You eat at a Mexican restaurant and then you regret it in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's got it. It's yeah. Maybe that was maybe that was something you were working out at one of the workshop things we were doing. Yeah. You know, it sounds familiar. What's funny is Jerry Seinfeld came out with his before Seinfeld special Uh on Netflix. And he has a joke, very similar. Are you in the train or are you on the train? You're on the train. Yeah. But there's a cab. Do you get on the cab? No, you get in the cab. Why? So you can get out of the cab. Yeah. It, it, it really, and, and Jerry is one of my favorites. I, I think that's why I don't really tell it that much because I'm like, it's a lot. It's mm-hmm. very Seinfeld. Ask. Yeah, that's it's hard. What, what was the guy's name I interviewed? I interviewed a comic that did did a joke that I was just gonna start doing. Well, I had done it once uh, about plantar oh. fasciitis, and my joke was almost exactly what his was. It was you talk about parallel thinking, like almost it was so close. And I told him, and it's. First name's Greg. I can't remember the last name. But anyway, I, I told him about it, and he said, well, you, you can still work with that. I'm like, not really. I it, Yeah, my idea is pretty much your idea, and you are the guy with the Amazon and Netflix <laughs> specials, so I yeah. really can't do that anymore, so I'm not going to even try. Really? The same angle? The topic? Yeah, you can talk about the same topic. Yeah, it was about the pain in the shoes. It was just so, it was so close. I found a, diff, a couple different ways I could do it, but I'm almost over it. I, 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 maybe in a couple of years will be one of those jokes. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Let's see if we can make yeah. it better. Yeah, yeah. Bring it back around. One of my favorite comics is Chad Daniels, and uh-huh. he came out with it, this incredible special it's called the 11th one or something like that. Uh-huh. And it's actually the 11th time he's performed since the pandemic. And the special is incredible. Yeah. But he talks about plantar fasciitis. He's oh, yeah, it's Latin for my foot fucking hurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you mentioned at the top that you're hosting an open mic now. And a lot of the people I've talked to either have hosted or are hosting an open mic. Can you tell me what's good and bad about hosting an open mic? What's good about hosting an open mic is you get to test out the material and really and really try to connect with people on a level that you wouldn't at a normal show because it's too big of a risk. Mm-hmm. But at an open mic, it's yours. You can own it. You can do that. That's the good part. The bad part is when people come up to you and say, hey, the stuff you were saying in between comics when you were riffing, that was funny. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you mean all the, the planned material that I've been working on for the last eight years? That wasn't funny. Yeah. But me just <laughs> riffing, being in the moment in myself, that was funny. That, that it's, it hurts because uh-huh. it's like you're learning a lesson. Okay, I need to tap into that more. But oh, yeah. I've got so many hours on that at and end joke. <laughs> <laughs> So many days and months. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) So uh, if you get an opportunity to run an open mic, it's so much fun. When there's a crowd there, 
Oh, it, it, but what's the worst is when there's just comics. Because yeah. in my experience, I'm generally a cheerful guy. I don't curse on stage. I'm not too vulgar or anything because I have my aspirations to be a club comic or a uh, a cruise line comic or a corporate comic. Mm-hmm. So I don't do that. So uh, the other bad thing about running an open mic when you're trying to be clean is all the other comics will come up to you going, dude, you got to be more dirty. Why don't you say the F word more? Uh-huh. Man? Come on. Don't, don't you have any? You know? I used to get that a lot. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. It's the worst advice. I, and I, I know that's a question you asked. <laughs> and that, that, and I had that plan, but I just accidentally uh, flowed right into it. Yeah, yeah. That's the worst advice is other comics telling you to be more dirty, more angry. It's like, Who are you? It's the way I explain it is after, five comics doing ass eating jokes. I'm the palate cleanser. It's just something yeah. different. Ass eating palate cleansing. That, that's perfect. Perfect word. Yeah. Scott. <laughs> but only and funny to anybody want, comedian. Yeah. After all this ass eating, I need some ginger or yeah. Scott. So we're at the beginning of the year, and I I, I don't know how you are about goals, but I work in a job where I have to write goals. And the goals I wrote morphed into, I went ahead and put down my goals for the podcast and comedy and stuff like that. Are you somebody, you've got these aspirations, do you have like goals? And do you do like maybe a form of vision board or anything that puts you in the moment and visualizing your own uh, fortune and fame? Yes. Last year I made a vision board. It's just too vague. It, I, 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 and I spent all this time and, and effort on it. And, and I look at it, I'm like, wow, there's not a distinct goal <laughs> on there. It's just work out. <laughs> I did. I had the wrong vision for my board. But what really works is just writing them down. I, I have a, a physical calendar I take everywhere. And in the front, I have my goals. And you actually helped me out achieve one of those goals, Scott. This year, I was like, get a website. It's time. Get a website. And then you contacted me. I'm like, this is the perfect push. I'm a huge believer in, in, in seeking those opportunities that take you out of your comfort level a little bit mm-hmm. and push you. And you asked me to be on this podcast. I'm like, I'm getting that website now. Yeah. And, I, and I built it. And I feel so good. I'm like, that, that was one of my year's goal. And it's only January 10th. Yeah. It's, it's great. great. Yeah. Yeah. So I really appreciate it. And goals help i'm trying my one of my main goals is to get a credit i want my name on a flyer and picture with as seen on or something on there that just makes go hey this guy seems pretty funny and i had this whole plan to do a really nice comedy sketch and get it on funny or or college humor because i've seen those credits i'm like "I, i can get that i can attain that so i did this whole thing took five months, just finished it. And I was like, okay. And I contacted Funny or Die and College Humor. Both of them are closed. They're not a thing anymore. Oh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> Their videos are still around, but they're not like, submit your videos. Maybe we'll put you on the oh, site. That no, it's not around anymore. And I'm like, yeah. oh, whatever. I got a comedy sketch out of it. I really, but, like, I really like that sketch too. That was funny. And it, it took you to a few places you didn't expect. Oh, proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Saw it. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, a lot of work went into it. But um, a huge believer in setting goals. 
And that's the only way because you know, I, I, I work on comedy probably two, three hours a day. And without that goal, mm-hmm. I just end up going back to old bits and rewording it instead of working on that website, mm-hmm. instead of writing that sketch that I want to get on College Humor that's not around anymore. That's great. I'm glad I could help you get the website going get the keep having me on this show scott yeah and i will be on the tonight show yeah no doubt <laughs> <laughs> I, I always i always ask if i helped in any way that you just let me be one of your groupies and or hangers on when you <laughs> just put me on the payroll and in, in, yeah in your posse <laughs> or something yeah um, <laughs> yeah scott you really do help me because i'm a listener i'm a huge fan of your your podcast and I get so much out of it. Yeah. I really right. do. Well, I, you're I doing appreciate a great, that. You're doing a great thing. Speaking of the website and where people can find you, what, what's the website, Trent? TrentBabComedy.com. And that's Bab, uh, B-A-B-B. All right. So yeah, TrentBabComedy.com and all the social outlets is hash, uh, hashtag TrentBabComedy or at TrentBabComedy. I'm mostly on Instagram and Facebook, Twitter. Oh, that's a hard one for me. It uh, is. It Twitch. Is. I, yeah. I, I think I might be a little too old for t- Twitch or TikTok. <laughs> I don't even know the names. Grinder, I'm really good at. If you yeah. guys message me on Grinder, but YouTube, I, 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 my one goal, consistent goal, is to post a clip each week on Friday. Mm. So stay tuned for those. Great. You know, I'll keep telling that Raiders joke so more yeah. people approach me and I'll, I, I'll get all these views just from you, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to come to Alabama sometime and just diss Alabama football and see what happens because that's on my bucket list. See see if, yeah. if I get out of the club alive. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to die a young man making fun of all these football teams. Thanks so much for being on the show. This has been uh, enlightening. It's been nice. And it's nice to get to know you a little bit more than uh, just stalking you on the internet. Yeah, I, I look forward to the day I see your face outside my window. Thanks a lot, Trent. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Yeah.